Hi, thanks for tuning in to Holy Spirit Feed. I'm Jen Johnson. I'm excited to share what God has been showing me. I'm praying that your spiritual ears and eyes will be open to hear and see what Holy Spirit has for you. Sometimes we need to just read a scripture or passage and just sit in it. Let the Lord show you something, even one thing that is going to have impact, that's going to change your perspective, your world forever, and never be the same. Like His Word is that powerful, and it has the ability to do that. So we're going to read a passage of Scripture and work through it slowly, not just zip through to get the obvious stuff, but let it marinate and get something deeper. So you can do this with a passage of Scripture or even just one verse. Think about one of the shortest verses in the Bible, John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. It's pretty straightforward, but it implies many things. Very importantly, that he cares, and not just a little. He cares cross-size care, enough to cry. He wept not just for Lazarus's sisters and the death of his friend, but he weeps over us today and our city, over our family, over me. That's just an example of a two-word verse that speaks volumes. And we could keep going with that, but that's not our passage for today. Today, we're going to read John 14, and this will be a two-part podcast. So let's get going. I'm going to read once all the way through to verse 14 and then go through and discuss what I felt like the Lord highlighted for us today and really dig deeper. John 14, verse 1, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how do we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you for such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Okay, so let's talk about this. Verse 1, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Okay, so this is huge. Jesus is saying, believe also in me. You know, for so many unbelievers and probably believers too, you know, those unbelieving believers, I know that sounds like an oxymoron or something, but it's real. There are some unbelieving believers, but for now, let's talk about unbelievers. You can't bypass Jesus. I've had a lot of people ask me, they say, you know, I just don't know how to share the gospel with people from other religions. Well, part of the problem is we don't really know enough about what we believe, let alone anything about what for instance, like Muslims or Jehovah Witnesses or even some Christian denominations, for that matter, like we don't always know what people believe. I feel like sometimes people just assume that if they go to a church, then they have a relationship and know Jesus. 
But that's just not the case. We don't know what they believe, so if you don't know where the faulty belief is, how do you go after the lie and then reveal the truth? So my response to that question, you know, how do I witness to others, is typically it boils down to Jesus. What do they believe about Jesus? Do they believe he is a part of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, three parts, that Jesus was not just a prophet or a man, but God, and that he died on the cross to remove sin so the world could be reconciled to God if they believe. So what do they believe about Jesus? That's what it boils down to. And you'll see in scripture, as we work through this passage, the importance of the revelation that he is one with the Father. The disciples didn't get it, but Jesus kept trying to help them. He's saying this is important. So lots of people believe in God, but as he says in verse 1, believe also in me. Verse 2, it talks about the Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. And then verse 4 says, you know the way to the place where I am going. He's saying right here, it's me. I'm the way. You already know me. But he's saying, let's go over it again. It reminds me of Matthew 17. In this scripture passage, there's a man and his son has a demon and he brings them to disciples, but they cannot heal him. So Jesus says to them, you unbelieving and perverse generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. And then Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and he was healed at that moment. So come on, we all feel like this at some point. You know, if you're a parent, it's guaranteed. Or if you have a ministry in any way, shape or form, you felt like this. You're like, oh man, how long must I be with them? (laughs) I'm just kidding. But really, it's real. Like he felt he was real and he felt that feeling. He's like, man, what's going on here? So also in verse four, he's introducing this idea that I love. He's saying that you know things that you don't know, you know. Okay, did you catch that? He's saying you already know the way because you know me. But at that moment, Thomas is like focusing on the where instead of the way. Listen to this. Verse 5, Thomas says to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how do we know the way? We know things that we don't know. We know because we know Jesus. Okay, I'll say that again. We know things that we don't know. We know because we know Jesus. We have access to the things unbelievers don't because we know Jesus. You know, that to me is really comforting because you know what? When I don't have all the answers, I still have the answer. So I might not know the how, the what, the why, the where, the when, but I know the way. Moving on to verse six, Jesus is like, nope, they don't get it. So he reiterates, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Okay, so this ties into some scripture in Matthew 7. So I'm going to read that and then we're going to link the two together. In Matthew 7, it's Jesus speaking and this is part of the Sermon on the Mount. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. So this is referring to people who think they know Jesus, but don't. So we talked about that earlier a little bit. You know, talk about not doing people any favors by assuming that they're saved 
when they don't actually have a relationship with Jesus, maybe they just have a relationship with church. Okay, back to the scripture passage that we're talking about today. We're in John 14, verse 8. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus says, you've seen the Father. And Philip says, show us the Father. (laughs) Jesus is really like, come on. He's like, oh my. He's so patient, though. He's so long-suffering. You know, we have a hard time waiting for our coffee at Starbucks, right? Jesus, point blank, tells them something, and they don't get it. All right, we're going to read verses 9 through 11 next. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. So part of the issue with ministering or evangelizing to others is there's no evidence, or at least not enough. Where are those signs and wonders that are supposed to be following us? This really makes you think, huh? Following us like they are just naturally happening around us in our wake, because we are carrying the presence of God with us everywhere we go. We should have a wake of signs, miracles, and wonders. If we don't, then are we carrying the presence? The Bible says, do not be drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Then he ought to be overflowing out of us and spilling over everywhere we go. That's evidence. We're going to wrap up with verses 12 through 14. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. I love that. He says, whatever and anything. This is huge. Are we seeing the manifestation of whatever and anything in our lives? First, we need to address this question, are we asking? There's so many times in Scripture where it talks about, you know, ask and it shall be given to you. You have not because you ask not. Now, just a side note, we're not talking about healing. Jesus never asked the Father to heal anyone. He just did it. We generally command healing because we know his will is to heal every sickness and disease. That's a whole other message, but I needed to clarify that because I feel like we have a lot of Christians praying weak ask prayers for healing when the word says to heal the sick, not ask God to heal them. So God has already decided that. The decision was solidified on the cross that he is pro-healing. You don't have to question that. So are we asking the things that we're talking about today that we need to be asking for? Are we asking for revelation in every area of our life? That would be a great first step. Solomon asked for a discerning heart to lead the people, basically wisdom. He could have asked for a million things, but he chose wisdom. You know, are we asking for revelation in work situations, financial, relational, ministering to others? Ask what to ask for. If you don't know, just ask. And then listen for Holy Spirit's response. But this says, whatever and anything. So that is very broad. And that tells me that he has many blessings and things that he wants us to ask for and bring them here so they manifest and show themselves in our world. Now, know the word, get the word in you so that you're not just asking for things that aren't going to bring fruit and that wouldn't be in his will. It's better to focus on what God wants for us than trying to avoid what he doesn't want. So I'm just going to repeat that. It's better to focus on what God wants for us than trying to avoid what he doesn't want. And the concept behind that is don't think about, you know, how can I not sin? 
but instead, what can I be doing or asking that's going to take my focus so that sin and asking for something that I shouldn't have doesn't even enter into the picture? You are a new creation. You no longer have a sin nature, and your new nature wants to ask for good and righteous things. Okay, that was a lot to cover for one day. You guys did great. We made it through the first half of John 14. My hope is that this was helpful for you to take time to really dig deeper into the scripture and receive more than meets the eye. Join me next time for part two of John 14 on Holy Spirit Feet.